Thank you for joining us today for the Fair Loss of You podcast. We're going to be talking about everything related to fair trade fashion, including sustainability, ethics, human trafficking, our artisans, and keeping kids in school. My name is Jackie Costello, and I own the Golden Rule Boutique, an all fair trade boutique based in San Diego. My co host is Jen Parlin, and she is a fair trade partner with Threads Worldwide based in Connecticut. Welcome to episode 21. How is everyone? We really hope you are doing as well as you possibly can during this time. I'm excited for you to hear this conversation between Rebecca of Maven Women and I. Maven Women is an ethical fashion brand designed for your workday right into the weekend. Rebecca and I recorded this conversation a couple of months ago before social distancing and flatten the curve were part of our vocabulary. We hope you welcome the distraction. Stay safe and healthy. And thanks again for listening to the Fair Philosophy podcast. Enjoy this chat. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me today. It's like, it's such a pleasure. You are very welcome. Yay. I'm um, really looking forward to hearing all about um, Maven Women. But first, would you just like to introduce yourself, whatever you want to say? Yeah. So my name's Rebecca Ballard, and I'm the founder of Maven Women. I came up with the idea for Maven Women at this point, almost two decades ago. So I wow. um, first practiced law for a little while. When I was in law school, I was very frustrated because I was pursuing a career in public interest law, but I couldn't find clothes that aligned with my public interest values. And just growing up and knowing about sweatshops and what was out there and um, just the the conversation about sweatshops that happened in the 1990s, but like I was knowledgeable about some issues in fashion mm-hmm. and I always loved clothes. I felt like clothes really spoke to my identity or something that I enjoyed or something that I needed professionally, right. but I couldn't find things that match my values, vocation, and aesthetic. So then I pursued law, practiced law for a while, lived abroad, and worked on a number of human rights, women's empowerment, poverty alleviation projects, moved back to the U.S., moved more into nonprofit management and social enterprise, all along having this vision for Maven Women. And I started to see more ethical, sustainable brands pop Mm -hmm. up. And I started to get jealous when I saw them. I was like, oh my gosh, that brand, that's so cool. I love what they're doing. Oh, those, those pangs of jealousy. And I'm like, well, I'm not even trying to do it. I should actually try. So I did a lot of soul searching, spoke with friends, spoke with my husband, and left my job running a national nonprofit to start Maven Women. I felt like I really understood a lot of the social impact pieces and I had learned how to run an organization, but I did not know how to make clothes. Right. So I learned how to make clothes with lots of bumps along the journey. And a couple of years later, here we are. Really interesting personal development that has um, influenced Maven Women in a big way is that I am now the mother of two young children. I have a three-month-old and a nearly three-year-old. So I've journeyed into motherhood at the same time that I have launched Maven Women, which is not easy, but it's interesting because most of the people who work in the global garment industry are women, and many of them are mothers. Mm. So my experience, although it's very different running a fashion company versus working in a factory as sewing... Um, but but so many of the things that I'm trying to juggle and things that I'm facing with, with my life are similar to so many of the people who work in this industry. Right. And you mean from like 
the people that are making the clothes? Yeah. Well, the industry is huge. We really don't know the exact numbers of who works in the industry. This is a big challenge and one that I want to sink my teeth into in 2020 is thinking about not just Maven Women being a successful company, but what's happening bigger picture and what information do we have and what information do we need? And that overlays well with my law and policy background. Mm. So I've seen very different pictures of the number of people in the industry, but we do know that it's a really big industry. We do know that it has a really big impact on our planet and it can be, when you think about all of the, the people who are engaged in it. So you have those who are directly involved in production, all the way from making the materials that are made into clothes, people who work in factories, people who are dyeing fabric. Then you have all of the people who work on the logistics side with shipping, all the boxes that clothes come in. Think about photographers, models, media covering this industry. It's really a very, very large group of people. Yeah. I, I think that's something that we don't think about, especially like as a consumer, you don't think about those things. You just you go into the store and you like something, you try it on or whatever, and you buy it. And like those those thoughts aren't even there. So I like bringing attention to that. Like it, it is a lot. It's a lot of people involved in the process. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that's globalization as well. You think about all the things that you buy, whether they are electronics or toilet paper mm-hmm. or clothes or food. And we are so separate from the lives that are involved in its creation. It's really interesting that a hundred years ago, people had a fraction of the clothing that they have now, right. but it was much higher quality and they were much closer to the source of production. A lot of people even made their own clothes. Right. Yeah. And then fast fashion stepped in and took over. Basically. Yeah, making us – we spend less money, we have more stuff, and we're less happy about it. Right. Yeah, and we're doing more damage to the the world as a whole, you know, the environment and the Abs- people. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. So you, you had the idea of Maven Women two decades ago? Is that – Yeah, close to it. Yeah. Okay. And then when did it kind of really happen? About four years ago, okay, I launched Maven Women. So we launched around the Copenhagen Fashion Summit. Oh, nice. So went out to Europe and was um, had the opportunity to meet with a lot of movers and shakers in the industry. Yeah. And had a launch event there and then did a Washington, D.C. launch event. So that all happened in 2016. It really took us about three years to get our product creation right, though. Yeah. And I didn't want to have have pieces out there that I couldn't stand behind. So we now have pieces that are made in India as well as pieces that are made right here in the United States in Los Angeles. Oh, perfect. That's really cool. And I was reading on your website about the material that you use, which I didn't know anything about. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have a global artisan collection that is made 100% of it is organic cotton certified by the Global Organic Textile Standard, which is a very robust standard that makes it a lot easier for designers to create ethical, sustainable products. So when I first started Maven Women, I thought that I would have 
kind of that as they use in chocolate, like bean to bar transparency. You know, I would literally know the hands on the farm that are picking the cotton. Yeah. And that's hard to do for a lot of reasons. And I'm happy to get into that if that's of interest. But then if you if you can't do that, how do you do something that's sustainable? So enter the global organic textile standard. And it's a really interesting, robust standard. And I like that it um, that it is made also in line with the ILO labor guidelines. So things like human trafficking should not be found in the supply chain for, a, for something that's going to have this certification. Hmm. So that's the fabric that we use for our global artisan collection. So no synthetics, and the nice thing about it being 100% is that when it comes to end of life, it's really hard to find good uses Mm. for something that is a blended material, and really what most people have in their closet is going to be a blend. Right. And it is dyed by Mehera Shaw, the same group that is cutting and sewing the pieces. And I've been to India, I've been to Jaipur, where they dye the fabric and cut and sew the pieces, and met with the the group there, and it's an amazing community and a beautiful place. And I really wanted these garments to speak to the fact that they are from Jaipur, even though they are a very Western style and cut. So what we did is Jaipur is the best place in the world, really, to get block printing done, which is these blocks of wood that you can layer together it's an amazing handicraft. So these pieces all have a liner that is done by hand. It's the kind of artisanal tradition that there's no way that we could do this in the United States. It just would be too cost prohibitive. Right. So it's really special to have a dress that has that on the inside. Then our LA pieces, our American or American Eco Innovation Collection. They are made with something called a Ponte di Roma. And Mm. that's a material that is relatively thick and luxe and extremely flattering. Take it from a woman who's had two kids over the creation (laughs) of these pieces and is not even four months postpartum. Like, this material looks fabulous when you put it on. It's works beautifully on a woman's figure. It's great as your body fluctuates. The Mm. problem with Ponte di Roma and the reason why we didn't use it initially is because it is ordinarily made 100% out of harmful synthetics. So it's a blend of nylon, polyester, and spandex. Okay. So we, we found that there were a lot of women who really wanted to have stretch in their pieces for reasons that I completely understand, for the longevity of the garment and the ways that our bodies fluctuate. And we're very used to athleisure types of of clothing now, even even in other product categories that aren't specifically athletic or athleisure. So I wanted to do Pony D. Roma, but I could not find a way to have it sustainably made. So I Mm. looked and looked and looked and looked. And then I found a group in L.A., called Laguna Fabrics that I've also visited, and they can do a Ponte di Roma that is majority organic cotton certified by the Global Organic Textile Standard. Mm. And it is knit, so meaning you get these these spools of fabric that are woven together in their LA factory that I visited. And California has very strict environmental regulations as well, so I feel really good using fabrics that are dyed in California with local LA-based dye houses 
that have requirements of, around things like needing to recycle a certain percentage of the wastewater throughout the dyeing process. Okay. So those are our two fabrics. And I'll tell you, I have learned a lot about fabrics over the past couple of years. I bet. Yeah, that was the fabric, um, Ponte de Roma, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was what I was reading about. And I'm like, I've never heard of this before. Like, I, I mean, I'm obviously not one that studies fabrics, but... Um, I found it interesting in that you found a, you know, more eco-friendly kind of approach to that. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we looked for things like dead stock just to, to yeah. see other options out there, but that didn't present itself. That's something that I'm still op- open to and, and searching for. Great. We yeah, really recommend that people check out Ponte di Roma and kind of a, a little thing on the Maven women's side is we do offer exchanges and returns. So if you want to try out some of our pieces just to see what they're like or touch the fabric firsthand, you can always try it out and and return it if you feel that it's not for you. I think our our Global Artisan collection is a beautiful collection using natural materials. So if you want something that is as natural as can be and you don't want synthetics on your body, and there's some really good health arguments in, in that arena, then that is definitely the collection for you. And then if you want something that is going to be, um, that is going to have that, stretch in it right the ponty pieces would be the right choice there very cool and so you've visited both um places in india and la la yeah and we work with lefty production company in la and i love working with them the founder um is a woman named marta she is the same age as i am also a mother of of two children and really runs the factory like a family in the best sense it is a wonderful and warm environment that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, we've we've heard stories just through our podcast uh, about um, seeing factories in LA that aren't following, you know, necessarily the rules. Um, oh yeah, I mean, there's there is human trafficking in the garment sector yeah. in California. There are a lot of issues yeah. um, in in California and and all all over our world. So it was important to visit and to build those relationships. And the other thing is the building that Marta is in regularly has visits by the the relevant authorities in California. So they actually let the labor inspectors in. Good. That's great. So they are a a visited and certified (laughs) place. That's perfect. They are not operating off the grid. And I think people need to know that that exists here and that just because it says made in America doesn't mean. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's really complex. And it's so interesting to me because I'm originally from North Carolina and I'm very close with my grandparents. I'm so lucky that I still have two living grandparents and they're in their 90s. And they both even worked in the garment industry at one point in North Carolina. So my grandfather picked cotton and my grandmother worked in a woolen mill. And the way that the industry was in North Carolina, it was a, a solid kind of working to middle class industry. Yeah. And it's not that way anymore. About about 2% of the clothes that Americans wear are made in the United States. And I will tell you what, I actually never thought I would produce in America. Yeah. That was not part of the original plan. Um, because the industry is so global and my background is global and I'm really passionate about the idea of good jobs lifting people out of poverty and providing empowerment, especially for women. Right. 
and I've spent time on the ground in places like Bangladesh. So I really wanted to produce in Bangladesh initially. That didn't happen for a number of reasons that I'm, I'm happy to share if helpful, but then I, I felt very good about the group that we found in India. But I really didn't want to produce in America because I felt like the industry just was dying here. And in terms of my, my studies and research on globalization, I'm like, I want to do something that really hits the industry where it's moving towards. But I love producing in America because of the eye that I can have on quality in terms of quality control and also the integration of product development and production. So at Lefty, they do the product development as well as the production. And when you're producing overseas, a lot of the time the product development is done here and then the production is done abroad. Right. And what happens there is you spend all this time creating it here and then you effectively need to teach someone abroad how to make it. And the waste that's involved in that and the time that's involved in that and some of the quality control issues that come up um, may be very interested in small batch American production. And I think for a brand like Maven Women that really prides itself on having these almost bespoke creations, producing in in L.A. made a lot of sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, I like that you do both. You, you know, you have a bit of half your business is there? Would you say it's like half and half or is it more? Well, we have 10 pieces. Okay. 10 piece collection. And two of them are made in India and eight of them are made in LA. Okay. Got it. Got it. I can't wait to check them out. I mean, I've, I've looked at the site, but I want to look more extensively. Would you say that um, Maven Women is more geared towards the career woman? So I think that that's something that we're still figuring out. Yeah. You know, for me, I launched Maven Women as, let's be honest, like kind of a traditional career woman working in the legal field. I even was a lawyer for the federal government. So talk about a job that is going to have a really specific attire requirement. Right. I know a lot of industries are moving away from that, but there are industries like law that I don't think are going to be moving away from that yeah. anytime soon. So... I like that we have pieces that you can wear to work in a range of work environments. Right. For some people, they are can also be event pieces. So maybe your office is very casual, but then you are going to go to a client meeting somewhere else or a networking event, and you want to have something that's really polished. Right. Yeah. You no, know, that's where Maven women can come into play. Um, I know people who've worn our pieces to weddings, to to cocktail receptions, on the weekends. Um, They're great for date night. That's another thing, too, Mm. is they they dress up really well. Yeah, they're really cute. I think they are versatile. It's like, yeah, you can wear it to work. You can wear it out to happy hour, um, like you said, to a wedding from what I've seen. And and I feel like it's easy to to dress something up with the right accessories and to kind of – dress it down too if you want a little bit more of a casual with a little sweater or something mm-hmm. um yeah so I think that's really I think it's an interesting place to start because there aren't a lot of ethically made brands that I've been introduced to that focus on a little bit more dressy um the work attire there aren't a ton that I've come across no, and, and that's why I started Maven Women. I didn't want to start something 
um, to, to replicate what other what other people were doing. I mean, I think there's some careers that you don't do them unless you absolutely can't do anything else. And right. for me, like, this has not been the world's easiest life choice to start my own social enterprise. I mean, I feel very privileged that I, I'm able to do this. But it's it's not easy. But I felt that being a being a woman who had worked in nonprofit management and worked in law and done litigation, like I really understood the needs of that woman. And also not just the the way that clothing is being created, but also the way that clothing is being designed and the way that clothing is being marketed to women. I I had a lot of problems with and a, a lot of other women do too. I mean, if you look at our website, We've worked with a couple professional models who are values aligned, and they are amazing and, and inspiring women. Mm. But most of our imagery is going to be on women where um, Maven Women is the only company that they've modeled for, and they're busy doing a lot of things that don't directly relate to fashion. Right. And I think that's important for women to see is how something's really going to look on them. Um, I'm really concerned about the images that women and well, really women and men and children are being bombarded with um, in terms of what is fashionable and how clothes are supposed to look on people and yeah, just the the issues that it's creating. I mean, I'm I'm sure you and everyone listening to this knows exactly what when I'm talking about. You know, you see really one body type, right? Only and a number of clothing brands are moving away from that. Yes. Which is great. I mean, we are definitely not the only brand that has that that focus. No, but you're right. Like I, I mean, it's really easy to feel bad about yourself when you're constantly looking at these images, um, and then you're like, "This isn't normal. This isn't how clothes look on everyone. We're, this isn't the average person." I, exactly. Well, and and I'm 38, so I'm starting to get wrinkles. So it's not just the body size, but the way that our skin looks, right. the way that our proportions vary over time. I mean, I'm an extra small, and even though I've had two kids, I will probably land at, at an extra small. That's just the way that my body is made. But proportions and skin and hair, all of that changes over time. So it's not just the size, but things like the age or women who've had children and women who haven't had children. and. Right. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that it that it didn't affect me and that there aren't days that I'm like, oh, my body is not going to be the way that it was before I had kids. And that's stuff that I want to try and put into Maven Women. Like, we're we're all feeling this way. Yeah, you know, this is this is the way that we're all feeling around the country is is this this frustration about a lack of diversity in imagery. Yeah, I I can totally agree with that. Um... And so you talk about, you know, being a mom and um, how does this play out? I mean, I know your kids are really young. <laughs> One, you said is yes. four months old, right? Um, she's three, months, three old, months old. And then my son will be three in April. Wow. And so, so I have a son and a daughter. A son and a daughter. Okay. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> so how does this, I mean, being a mom and running a business, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easy. I don't know from experience, but <laughs> from what I've seen, like how and, do you make and it I, work? And I don't believe that – yeah, I don't believe that running a business is for everyone and I don't believe that being a mom is for everyone. Right. And I felt like both of these were 
were the right choice for me. Interestingly, in my mid-30s, I'm like, well, I feel like I finally have the maturity that I need to become a parent and I finally have the experiences that I need to start Maven Women. Yeah. What if I do both of them? Um, and the, like the first year or two, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> like it was brutal. But it's it's getting – it's a lot better now because I have so many of the team members, like finding these factories that I'm chatting about, like some like Marta at Lefty. Like I've only known Marta for a year and a half. I didn't know her the day that I started Maven Women. It took a while right. to find her. Um, I'm really proud of how we do our our operations and logistics and shipping. And we work with an amazing woman named Alicia Chan, who is the executive director of Fair Trade LA and also has her own sustainable brand, Alicia C. Recommend that you check yes. them out and check her out because she's doing amazing things. I've heard of her. I've and heard of her. I don't, I don't know her personally, so... I'm glad that you're talking about this. This is one of the yeah, things I was going to ask you she's about. Abs- she's absolutely wonderful and certainly a, a woman to watch and someone who just has a beautiful spirit, incredibly humble, and very talented. Yeah. Awesome. And I didn't know Alicia the day that I started Maven Women. So a lot of things are easier because we've now – like we've assembled a great team. But there's there's phases in, in everything. So I guess the question is how is about motherhood and Maven and – Yeah, how does it all – work (laughs) well I'm still figuring that out because I am now a mother to two and I've been a mother to two for only three months right so I'll let you know more in a while but um but the the short answer is um prioritization and trying to have realistic goals yeah and and there's data out actually that shows this, that you want to hire moms. If you're ever looking to hire someone, hire a mom because moms are amazingly efficient and excellent multitaskers. And your life just is that way. Yeah. Like this morning, I was um, getting breakfast ready for a three-year-old, getting myself fed, dealing with the fact that my son and I both have colds, breastfeeding my daughter, and cleaning up and organizing the house while also laundering cloth diapers and doing a couple email checks at the same time. Wow. Yes, you have mastered so multitasking. <laughs> yeah, so you 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 learn it by by necessity. And but then the prioritization, you know, there's there's other there's some things that I would like to do more of, but being realistic about it. My um, my my birthday was in December, and my birthday gift for my husband that I asked for was a piano. Mm. And I used to do a lot with music, and I wanted to do something that didn't relate to a lot of my other identities. I was going to do just for myself, and I also figured by getting an electric piano, I could just put some headphones in, and after the kids are asleep. Um, we're still kind of figuring out a lot of schedule things. Our daughter's a great sleeper, but it's taking a little longer to put her to bed because she's only three months old. So I have friends who very caringly have asked like, oh, how, how's it going with the piano? And I'm like, I'll <laughs> probably not get to that until the spring or summer. But but knowing that, that it's there and I can still pick out a couple of things on the keeper with my son. Right. That's great. Oh, that's so cool. Um, but at, I say prioritization. And the other thing is to kind of going back to – don't make really big choices in your life unless you've analyzed what they're really going to mean. Mm. Like if you think that parenting is primarily like playing games with kids on sunny days, <laughs> like, yeah, that's that's definitely part of parenting. But 
there's a lot of laundry, there's a lot of mess, there's a lot of runny noses and yeah, dealing with <laughs> behavioral issues and things that are going to try your patience. And if you think that working in fashion means that you're going to get to just go to glittering events all the time. Fashion shows. Yeah. I mean, it's it's running it's running a business. Yeah. And it's all the joys and challenges of that and QuickBooks and inventory spreadsheets and um, goals, goal setting for each quarter and dealing with wonderful, amazing retail partners and dealing with wonderful, amazing customers, but then also like – Things happen, and the the package that you just don't know what happened because the mail service swallowed it, and the customer didn't get it, and they were really hoping for it by a certain time because they had a major event, and there's right. no great answer there. Yeah, I mean, I wish it had arrived too, but all, all of those things happen as well. Or the fact that you love your factory and you're really happy working with them, but they've had some things happen, and they're a month and a half late on finishing up something that is going to make it a bit tricky in terms of the seasonality. Like mm. all of those things are, are there too. So I, I'd say my life is one of passion and I really love the choices that I've been able to make and, and that's how it all works. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all that. Cause that's like real stuff. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely real stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, were, were the people in your life, did they think you were a little crazy when you said, I'm leaving my career and I'm starting I mean, this? I think some of them still do. <laughs> yeah. But that means you're doing something right, I think. People think you're a little crazy. Like, you're really going for something that is big and... and... Ew, oh, ex- exactly. I mean, so this is, a, this is a parenting story, but I, th- I think it relates here. So my son, we talk with him a lot about listening and following directions. Well, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a social justice oriented person, which that whole concept can be problematic as well. (laughs) So my son looked at me two days ago and he was playing with his Legos and building a bus and putting people on the bus. And he told me that he had built a bus and Rosa Parks was on the bus and she was not listening. (laughs) And he said it matter of factly. He didn't say it like she was doing anything wrong. He said Rosa Parks did not listen. And it was a really great opportunity to have a conversation with him about the fact that, you know, when mommy and daddy ask you to do something, it's following directions. But if something is unjust, and then we turned it into a little a game. Um, my son really likes anything drama. So he actually, he was the bus driver, and I would say, can I come on the bus if my skin is a different color than yours or if I'm taller than than you? So just thinking about the choices that, that you make in life and how and what's conventional and what's, what's non-conventional. And when someone like Rosa Parks, I mean, I'm sure people thought that she was crazy for taking on the role that she did in, in our country's history and all of the flack that she got. And history has judged her very kindly as it should um, she's an incredible and a courageous woman, but in in the heat of that moment, I, I bet that there was part of her in the back of her mind that's like, "Should I actually be doing this?" Right. Yeah, I think that's pretty normal, right? I mean, we oh, all yeah. second guess ourselves, but um, 
first of all, let me just say, like, amazing that your son knows who Rosa Parks is. That is like, oh, my heart. Like, that's amazing. Well, yeah. So we um we just started him at school last month and with it being Black History Month, I, th- I think they've they've been doing a great job. Wow. We're just having some some great conversations. I love that. With him about Martin Luther King Jr. and, and Rosa Parks and I mean, and, and those are those, I'll just call it sunny day parenting, right? Those right. are those parenting moments that, like, <laughs> I feel like I became a parent for this. I became a parent to create the Rosa Parks game where we talk about having people sit with us on the bus. Like, I live for those types of parenting moments. Just, like, right. you live for that moment where one of my girlfriends was raving to me about the cut of one of our our pieces and how it fits her perfectly and I saw her in it and she looked gorgeous in it and I was like yes you know you you get those moments right. but there's lots of other moments too yeah there's lots of moments <laughs> so are you are you running the company kind of solo I mean besides your partnerships with you know, factories and stuff. Yeah, so so I made the choice to not have a co-founder. Yeah. Because I, I felt like Maven Women was really my idea. Right. And I wouldn't be able to see someone as a real partner if they hadn't come up with this idea themselves. And I also like the freedom and the flexibility that I have by being the the founder of Maven Women and the, and the CEO. Mm. But we have a high partnership model and try and partner whenever possible. You can't and shouldn't do it all yourself. So like Alicia C, love partnering with them. I did not want to create my own factory. I wanted to find some other other good partners out there. Right. And do you do all the day-to-day things like social media, marketing? Do you have someone that you kind of work with and an assistant or anything to help with all the little loose ends? So – We've we've used more of a consultancy model to really try and find people who are excellent in certain areas. Right. And so some of the social media I've done myself and some of it I partnered with others on. Yeah. And those are some of the partnerships that I'm looking at expanding this year, in fact, is um, more partnerships in digital marketing and, and other types of, of content-based marketing and, and brand development and getting the word out to more people about Maven Women. So if anybody listening has ideas on that topic, I'm always game to chat and want to do everything in as values-aligned a way as possible. Yeah. I love how you talk about values-aligned because you said that um, about the models. I, I, I remember you saying that. Um, but I noticed that you have your core values listed on your website in a very – you know, a really nice way. Um, and Thank that, you. yeah, and that's kind of how you lead your company, like with those values in mind. I, I try and there's always difficult trade-offs, right? So right. would I like for the price point of our pieces to be lower, to be more accessible? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if we're going to be doing small batch production and we're yeah. going to be paying everyone a living wage at every step, then that's not possible, at least not at this juncture. Right. Um, I would love for us to have a larger size spread. But when it comes to all of the costs around product development, 
Um, it's not as simple as making a piece that's going to work great on women from size extra small all the way through the plus size. There are certain design elements that would need to change to flatter all of those women right. well. And we have a bell curve around our size small. So that's that's where we are. So we we try and weigh weigh all of the values at every step. And some of the choices – there aren't too many choices where we've taken a conventional – route yeah <laughs> but there but there are there are some things that like we're on shopify for example okay a lot of other stores are on shopify i don't know a social justice oriented option but i also don't think that shopify is terrible now please reach out to me if you know something terrible about shopify but but <laughs> I, I feel like they're pretty neutral shopify are you listening <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, maybe they'll take a more um social impact approach now <laughs> they listen to this episode perhaps perhaps <laughs> a, a lot of other ethical and sustainable brands are on shopify and, and yeah. honestly some of the um the online retailers i know don't even want to work with you if you aren't on shopify because of the easy integrations right and it is great to have those platforms that make everything just easier because there are like you said you know there are a lot of challenges with everything and so to have things that make it easier it's just like, Absolutely. Whew, you can breathe a little bit. So just, I know you've kind of skimmed over it a little bit about some of the challenges that you've had, but is there any like stories that, you know, specific stories that kind of um, come to the forefront of your mind about, you know, maybe funny things that have happened that were challenges along I the mean, way? I <laughs> mean, a lot of things are funny, are funny in hindsight. <laughs> right, um, Exactly. Well, I, I want to be careful too because I I really value the the confidentiality of all the people and partners that that yes, we worked with a- absolutely as, as well, especially some of the the people or groups that we might no longer be partnering with. Yeah, um, I totally get that. Yeah, I I want to give you a good story here because I know that there are good good stories in this regard. Well, you've already told me some really I mean, good not stories. Not come so. come to mind. Yeah, no, I get that. You want to? Yeah, but these all of these conversations about ethical, sustainable fashion, like they're so serious. I wanna, I wanna add more, Same. more levity into it. Same. I'm always joking around and laughing, and sometimes I feel like on the podcast I'm so serious, and people are like, "Wow, what's Jen doing?" Like, but it is a serious topic. I mean, it really is. It's it's, it's a serious topic, but it's it's interesting though because it's it's one that we really should feel more control over, and. It should be fun. Yes. Too. The, the the fun and the social impact can go hand in hand. Same. I think it's fun to travel. I think it's fun visiting the places and seeing like firsthand the impact that, you know, your company is having across the globe. So maybe we'll go back into like when you visited India. How was it, first of all? Oh, well... So I was pregnant with my first child when I went to India. Wow. I had been to India three times. This was my third trip to India that I that I made for Maven Women. Wow. It was not my favorite trip to India. So I love Indian food. I lived in Asia and I felt like I kind of worked my way up to the beautiful chaos of India. And when I got there on my first trip, I actually stayed with a friend of mine and and her family. Um, So that was a beautiful experience to be staying in a home during the first trip. So I just adore India. Well, 
I was, I'm really nauseous when I'm pregnant. So I wrote, I mean, I, like the, the craziness in this is, is humorous, but think about all the flights to get to India. I even took a little propeller plane from Delhi to Jaipur and I'm like, I love Indian food so much. I just want to eat like bread. I can't really eat too much else. So it was not the easiest time. With that being said, it was an amazing experience to be on the ground and see things. And like, for example, I picked out a whole new block printing pattern that I never would have seen if I hadn't been in Jaipur. Um, It's just such a beautiful part of the world and really special to see how things come together. It's also neat to be in a place coming from Washington, D.C., and I, I experienced this in L.A. as well, that is manufacturing-oriented. Like right. being in a city like Jaipur where there's a lot of artistry coming out of that city. So, yeah, there's some high-end custom creations coming out, and that's beautiful to see. But just there's a there's a lot coming coming out of it. Like in L.A., there there is a fashion district. There is an area where there's a lot, a lot going on in, in terms of the garment industry. So it's neat to see how easy it is. Like in L.A., for example, the zippers that we use, you can literally walk from the factory – to get the zippers. It's an 11 minute walk. I have done it more than once. It's really not bad at all. And it's, it's amazing. I think like being in a place where that is, that is organized for that industry is, is really cool and very fun. Oh, neat. And how big is a factory in India? Is it large? Um, so the one that we work with is, has about 45 people there. Okay. So it is, um, and there's two places that I visited. So one is the the area where the dyeing and the block printing is done, and it's a little bit outside city center. And then the other is the factory itself, and they do their design work there as well as their cut and sew. And it was cool to see they have a partnership with a group that they created called the Meher Road Foundation that promotes women's micro-entrepreneurship in the slum area. So seeing how how that project is taking place under the same roof sometimes. Oh, that's neat. That's really cool. Yeah. So I, I also visited some really big factories when I was in India and looked at working with some of them. And in the future, I might, but I, I decided to work with a smaller factory and definitely recommend looking up Mahira Shaw and learning about some of the benefits that they provide their employees. Okay, great. It's a different type of experience than than you're going to get at a, at a mega factory. Right. Also, because employees can rotate through different areas, which is harder for the factory from a training and quality control perspective, but I think makes it a much more rewarding experience for the employee. So it's not like the the cog and the wheel and you're just constantly like snap snap mm. snap snap every day. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. And is this a fair trade certified factory or is it something different? They are a member of the Fair Trade okay. Federation. Perfect. So, they follow fair trade standards. Yeah. But um, and and they are part of the Fair Trade Federation, which has some level. But they um they actually have don't have the formal certification, which is a complicated thing. Right. I've worked on Fair Trade for a long time, and if I was going to buy a Fair Trade product from Target, I would expect that product to be certified. But for a smaller factory that has forty people, 
going through the certification process, all the resources that it's going to take, isn't something that I would expect a, a, a small or medium-sized right. factory yeah. to undertake. But, I mean, you've got to be careful there, right? So you've got to be careful about greenwashing and making sure that you really trust the brands. Yes. I don't think we have um, – we as an industry have an answer to how can you be sure that you are getting something that is fair trade. Yeah. It's a simple question, but we still don't have a really good answer there. Right. I mean, I, I put enough information on the Maven Women website that I hope um, shows that, that you can trust us. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a lot of craziness out there. I mean, I used to live in China, and there are fake factories that some brands have set up for when stakeholders visit. And wow, that's, that's just wild to me that they're going to actually go through – that, that it is cost-effective for them, so they wouldn't do it if it wasn't. Right. To set up a fake factory. That's like red flag, red flag, red flag, oh, oh. red flag. <laughs> like, so Absolutely. But, but, would, but would you know right. if you were visiting the fake factory? Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's good to know. I mean, you have visited the places that you – and you know. Yeah, yeah, you have a personal connection. I think that's, that's what I love about fair trade and the companies that are really – fair trade companies, um, they have that personal connection with where their products are made. And, you know, I would say nine out of 10 times have visited these places and spent time with, with the people that run the factories and run the artists and cooperatives. So I think it's really interesting. And you, you get surprising stories every time. Yeah. It's so true. So India is somewhere I'd love to go. Um, I haven't made it there yet. But it's on my list, so I'll get there. I'll get there one of these days. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess just something else I'd love to hear about is wh- where do you see Maven Women in, like, 10 years? Or Have you thought a lot about the future? I would love for us to go the direction of Eileen Fisher or Mara Hoffman. Mm. That's where I see us. I don't think that we are going to be clothing for for every woman. I think that we have a particular niche and market, and we're going to stay in that arena. Yeah. But I would love for us to be offering some of the thought leadership and sustainable innovation and partnership that brands like Eileen Fisher and Mara Hoffman offer. I know people who work for both of those brands. They've been very kind to me and other people in the ethical and sustainable fashion space. I think they they walk the walk. Yeah. So that that's where I'd love for us us to be in 10 years. That's great. So how can we um how can we shop Maven Women products? Oh, that's a great a great <laughs> question. So if you go to our website, you can shop online. Okay. Which is an option for everyone. Um, we do ship worldwide. Wow. So you can go go online. And then you can also at the bottom of the homepage of our website find a listing of boutiques as well. So we are not in every city around the country yet. yet. Um, <laughs> and if there's a boutique that you like near you that you'd like for, to have Carrie Maven Women, just reach out to me and I'd be happy to, to chat with the boutique. You can email me directly at Rebecca, R-E-B-E-C-C-A at mavenwomen.com because I know some people really want to shop in person yeah. and that is also a challenge with ethical, sustainable fashion because so much of it is online. Yes. 
but just go to our website. If you have any questions about our pieces, we offer free personalized styling. So just email maven, M-A-V-E-N, at mavenwomen.com. If you have any questions, if you're deciding between style, sizes, colors, looking for something for a specific event or a gift for a friend, and you can return or exchange anything. So there's no reason to not go and take a look. And we do have a beautiful 10-piece capsule collection where we try to have something for everyone. So even if the Maven Women aesthetic you feel may be a little bit on the more formal end for you, for example, um, we have some pieces that are that are less formal and, and vice versa. So we'll, the, you know, the pencil skirt, the flared skirt, those are pieces that can be worn a lot of different ways. Perfect. And what about on the social media realm? Where are you? Yep. We are Maven Women on Instagram and Maven Women on Facebook and Maven Women on Twitter. Easy enough. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing these stories and for being awesome. I mean, this is, we love meeting women. I mean, really, it's true. It's, we've met some really amazing women and I think this community of sustainable ethical fashion has some really interesting, like obviously big hearted um, people that are involved and it's so fun to meet, to meet them. So thank you so much for, for being here. You are very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity and please you know, don't hesitate to reach out you as, as well as listeners um, if you have any questions. Perfect. Here at the Philosophy Podcast, we recognize that we do not live in a bubble. We are all connected. There are people behind every product we shop for, and we can influence their lives when we vote with our dollar. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on your social media. When you do, you'll be entered to win a giveaway that we will do live on Instagram once a month. Tag us and follow us at the Philosophy Podcast. Good luck. Thank you.